I'm Kevin McGowan with the Department of Public Works for the City of Sausalito. I am the evening chair roller and members of the Pedestrian Bicycle Advisory Committee for the City of Sausalito. This meeting is being held pursuant to Government Code Section 54953E and in light of the declared state of emergency, the regular meeting of the City of the Bicycle, Pedestrian Bicycle Advisory Committee for April 18th will be conducted telephonically through Zoom and broadcast live on the city's website and cable TV channel 27. So uh, just a call to order at this point in time, I just welcome everybody and thank you for joining me today. So I'll just call the roll if that's okay, Mr. Chairman. Please. So Chairman Aaron Roller. Here. Wonderful. Vice Chair Karen Culligan. Here. Wonderful. Um, Jessica Penrod. Here. Hello, I see you there. And uh, <laughs> Regan Fulton. Here. Hi, Regan, how are you? Good. I'd like to welcome a new member, Jake, um, Jake Byer. Is that how we say your last name? That is. Okay. Yes, sir. Welcome. Good to be here. Hey, Karen. Well, thank you for joining welcome. us this evening. And uh, also want to welcome Warren Wells from MCBC. How you doing, Warren? Hey, everybody. Hey, wonderful. So I think we have a quorum and we're ready to move forward at this point in time. Let's do it. All right. So that's our first item, which was called to order. Our second item is public comment on items not on the agenda. And I have a little thing I'm supposed to read here, so bear with me. Video or audio public comment participation is limited to three minutes per speaker. If you would like to make a comment, please raise your hand in the Zoom application and you will be called upon when it is your time to speak. To raise your hand from a, from a phone, press star nine. Each speaker will be notified when their time has elapsed. So I think we're on item two, which is, are there any, does anybody want to make a public comment on items that are not on the agenda? I don't see any hands raised right now, Mr. Chairman. Okay. Call Keep it moving. We got a big agenda tonight. Yeah, usually want to give folks another minute, but I don't see any hands raised at this point in time. So why don't we move on to our next item? Here. Our next item is a discussion item. So item four. Hmm. Oh, we got minutes. Oh, I knew I missed one. Approval of the minutes, yeah. Yep. So why don't we go through and uh, get the approval of the minutes for March 21st, 2022. Any, I move to minutes. Mr. Chairman, do we have a second? There, there we go. go. All right, let me call the roll. I'm trying to catch up. All right, uh, Chairman Roller. Yes. Karen Culligan. Yes. Megan Fulton. Yes. Jessica Penrod. Yes. And Jake Bayer. Yes. Thank you. You'll get the hang of this. <laughs> Kevin, do we technically need to take? public comment on the minutes? We probably should. You are correct. So does anybody of the public want to make comment on the minutes that was just adopted? And I don't see any hands raised right now. So sorry, we're to move that one forward just a little bit. Okay. Uh, item four on our agenda are discussion items. Our first item is uh, from the police department. I am hoping that our uh, police chief is here. There he is. Hello, John. Thank you for joining us this evening. 
Hi, Kevin. I think the feedback had some questions and comments in uh, recent meetings about citations. So I mm -hmm. uh, wanna make sure that you are a co-host if you wanna have a little slideshow or anything, but um, feel free to take it away if you would like to. Okay, and I don't have a slideshow, but I did uh, put some notes into a uh, email format that I sent out only about an hour ago. So it's not much time in advance of the meeting to, uh, but I wanted to make sure I could capture a bunch of information that I won't forget as I go through this. I'm gonna start with a, uh, a little basic information about uh, criminal law and arrests and citations, because it matters a bit in this uh, discussion is that in California law, uh, police officers are only allowed to issue a citation for an infraction or make an arrest in a misdemeanor case if in fact they witnessed it. Uh, it's not required to be, the officer has, does not have to witness a felony to make an arrest for a felony. Uh, now there's some exceptions to the infraction and, and misdemeanor rule. Uh, the one that applies here is uh, the ability for law enforcement officers in California to write a citation as a result of investigating a traffic collision. And that's where we left off uh, some time ago uh, with this committee. And so the, the question is, is what, what and, and I had explained that previously. And then uh, last month, um, I think it was Reagan that asked, could we have the discussion this, month, this meeting this month, and I said, of course. So I my email that I sent out that you can refer to later, but uh, I'm gonna just, I have it so I don't forget anything. And I'm gonna that. So a little bit about the that. So there's a section and we just refer to it as the uh, 600, 600A of the California and that part says that basically can write a citation for the uh, offensive result of an investigation and traffic collision only if the officers have received and uh, that's a, um, a training graduation from the police academy the police academy for that training. Police officers go to this academy now. They get some basic instruction on uh, how to write a training. Not get training that meets the requirements of the 4600 course. However, all highway patrol officers do. They're a bit different than, of course, given that they're is they receive the 4,600 academy with the ability to issue as a result. So I helpful for, for if I did a little quick survey agency so you could get some idea about how. And so I just sent them all my other fellow chiefs in the sheriff's office, I sent them one was, uh, do they send their officers to the 4,600 point after uh, they've had their basic police academy training? 
at some point in their career, that was a question. Yeah, and the second part of it, if they do, or if the officers have received it, um, do they practice of issuing a to the driver app collision? Is that, of course, is answer that question. But the follow-up question patrol is, do they issue the result collisions they've investigated where they have drivers at fault? And the answer is rarely. They rarely issue traffic collisions. And then with the rest of the municipal agencies in the answers were much like they are in Sausalito. Uh, officers get that and and then um, in Nevada, San Rafael, or even Central Marin, where they have a dedicated motorcycle officers that do traffic. Officers are typically sent to the 4600 course and receive that extra 40 hours of training. And then they can, if uh, they choose to issue a citation as a result of an investigation, they complete to the driver most at fault in a collision. But the answer to the question is how often do they do that? The answer is also rarely. And then so for the other agencies such as Saucedo, where we don't have a dedicated traffic enforcement unit, or like Tiburon and Belvedere and Ross and, and Fairfax and such is that uh, they're much like us. You know, they try and get people to that training when they can. It's actually part of our, um, what we call our, our, our basic um, or minimum training that we want all officers to get at some point in the first three to five years of their career. Um, but it doesn't always work out that way. And of course, with uh, the pandemic in the last two years, almost all in-person training for law enforcement officers has been canceled. And so we're, we're very, very behind in training all across the state. Um, but it, with that in mind though, um, what we typically do with our officers that have received that training is that they are the ones who are tasked with reviewing our collision reports to make sure that they're uh, accurate and, and uh, you know, capture the, the uh, uh, data correctly um, so that the uh, collision can be reported through SWITTERS you know, for data collection, because much of that Switters data is used for traffic engineering purposes. And if, and if like anything else, if you put garbage in the report, it's not useful at all to traffic engineers. So, um, and, and, and not every collision that is um, collision report that's written makes its way to Switters. It has to meet some minimum thresholds uh, before they go to Switters. So sometimes when people would do what we call a names exchange, they, they exchange the information themselves and no officers are called or they let us know afterwards. Uh, those typically don't make their way to Switters, but they're also so minor that they probably don't re mean that much in terms of data. Um, one of the things that was interesting that the Santa Fe traffic sergeant sent to me, and I'm just gonna read it um, about why they do or don't issue citations to the driver found most at fault in a traffic collision. And this was his explanation, he said, uh, issuing a citation in regards to a collision only assesses an additional fine. There's no additional point added with issuing a citation. DMV adds the point to the at-fault driver's driving record as a result of the collision report finding. So the, the actual citation itself does nothing more than 
increase some dollar amount fine that the person issued the citation has to pay the court, but the uh, finding at fault, as we send all of our reports through CHP and Twitters and to DMV, that's where they assess the points against people's driving records. So, uh, and they, and in their, um, you know, in their city of 60,000 people or so, they, they have a dedicated uh, traffic enforcement unit. And so that's the information from the traffic sergeant about what they do with their traffic uh, investigations. So that's kind of my summary of what I put in my email. Um, I said in my email that I'd be happy to take questions and I believe that Reagan has some, but if anybody else has questions, I'm happy to take a stab at answering them for you. Reagan, if you want to go first, since you have some. Sure, thank you, Chief. I really appreciate your um, providing that background. It's, it's very helpful and heartening to know that you're looking into it for us. Um, as you may recall back in November of 2020, we, we did talk about a couple of incidents that were unwitnessed um, and they were quite alarming. One was with my own child, a 12 year old girl riding her bicycle down Caledonia. A driver went through a stop sign, hit her in the middle of the intersection and continued on. Um, when police responded, they did not even want to take a police report. So that's, that's even one step back from issuing a citation. And that, that concerns me greatly. Um, and so perhaps we could talk about some of the implications of the lack of report at all with regard to switters and maybe the driving record of the driver. Um, but the other case that we also discussed at length and actually looked at um, video of, because as chance would have it, there were those video cameras focused on Napa and Bridgeway. Another 12 year old girl was hit in the crosswalk, crosswalk when the rapid flashing beacons were, were going. And as I understand it, no citation was issued to the driver for hitting this that child either. And I'm not entirely clear whether a report was made. Um, and when we talk about engineering and the importance of, you know, engineering controls and, and other forms of uh, improving safety, without those reports, I, I'd, I'd, and, and I'd be surprised. I mean, I, it was, surprised that we would get anything done. It was, it was said that perhaps the sun was in this foe's eyes and I'd be very um, cautious about making those kinds of conclusions after the fact, but the, the video shows that man hit this child. So with that as the backdrop, back in November of 2020, and now we're talking about it again. I'm just trying to circle back and see what improvements may have been made uh, since that time, because we did talk about it with, with you, Chief, and, and you said, said you would look into the kind of training that uh, would be required, and, and I appreciate that very much. Um, so I have the following questions. I'm, I'm wondering if everyone on the Sausalito Police Department is clear on what the policy is and what the authority and the requirements are for um, issuing these citations. Because uh, at a Safe Routes to School meeting uh, that I attended along with uh, 
Chairman Roller, Lieutenant Gregory um, of the SPD said that members uh, did have that capability and just it was not the practice to, to use it. So I guess I would ask what members of Sausalito Police Department are currently trained? What plans have you made to get any individuals trained? And if, if none, and that's of course within your uh, uh, range of um, discretion, I suppose, should people involved in these things simply call CHP when there's an unwitnessed accident? Is that what, is that really the upshot of this whole discussion is that we should turn this over to the highway patrol? Um, so, and then, and finally, when, when you say that your survey of surrounding communities gives you the answer that rarely are citations issued, I would ask whether you personally believe that that's good practice or just common practice. Is that what we should be doing? or what we are doing. So those are my questions. As many of those as you can address, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, well, there's a bunch of great questions. So you might have to help me remember all of them, but I'll do my best. So maybe working backwards, um, I would say that the, uh, the response I got is establishes practice. That I think that's the answer right there and is that that's what, what is done, but not often. So in other words, there's very few citations written to the at-fault driver uh, in traffic collisions that are investigated. And that's my summary or my survey here in Marin County. The question about, um, rarely that's the quotes, that those are the words used when I, someone might've said seldom or rarely, pretty much the same. And, uh, but that's the answers, the responses I got from the agencies, including the high patrol. And they, they clearly have the bulk of the uh, reporting because that's what they do, but they don't do that um, for any other jurisdiction in Marin County, except for on state roadways uh, that are theirs and also uh, uh, for the County of Marin because the sheriff's deputies actually don't um, take collision reports. So if a, if a, a um, collision uh, occurs on, a, on a, a, in county jurisdiction and requires a report, then they call the high patrol to do that for them. And so um, that, that's the experience there. And um, based on that explanation given by the uh, traffic sergeant in San Rafael, which I thought was thoughtful of him to include that, is that what are we trying to achieve here? Are we trying to, um, um, you know, punish the driver further and is that achieved by a monetary fine, which is what the traffic collision, I mean, which I'm sorry, what the traffic citation would produce. If that doesn't in and of itself add to the point against a person's driver's license, um, then what would be the point? It's the, it's the traffic collision report itself results in the um, point being added to a person's driving record. And that's the part that probably for most people is most influential about you know, what happens in that. If there's a case where there's some um, crime involved, like with a person, and I mean a crime, not an infraction, but a crime like someone's you know, fleeing from the police and there's a pursuit and then there's a crash and there's a full investigation, um, 
then you know those are likely to be um, adjudicated in criminal court and a citation is not really the ever you're not going to issue a citation for a felony pursuit it's it's a cross purposes and so that's where that comes in um, the let me go back a little bit to some of the other questions so the hot patrol is not going to uh, uh, does not have the either the authority or the jurisdiction to come into Saucedo and take traffic accident reports. There's a couple of exceptions to that. Uh, for instance, if a Saucedo police officer gets into a collision in their patrol car in Saucedo, we're, we're not going to take our own traffic accident report. It just would look somewhat biased. So our policy is that we call the high patrol to come in take that um, and they typically will um, if it's something like where the uh, officer like backed into something uh, which is typically the primary cause of collisions involving cops and cop cars is they might be in a big hurry to get where they were going and park sort of haphazardly and then when they go to leave they may not be looking really carefully about what's behind them and so they bump into stuff we don't require the high patrol to take that um, because it's, first of all, it's with a, you know, the, the cop car is moving, the other vehicle or something is parked inanimate objects, pretty simple to determine. And, and so, but we still take a collision report and, you know, to track that. Um, in the case of the guy that was driving to hit that girl, I watched those videos, very disturbing. And, um, and of course he claimed, I recall this, that, you know, he couldn't see. And of course, because of the sun or whatever, and in my mind, that means you shouldn't be driving. You should either be going so slowly that you can't, you, that you can see as, you know, the, you can, should only be driving as fast as you can see. In his case, he couldn't see, he shouldn't be driving. Pretty simple. And uh, he, there, there was a uh, report written uh, in that case. I, the only reason I remember that is when it was a serious accident. And the other is, is that there was, after the officer turned in the report, the um, sergeant that reviewed it, because every report written by an officer gets reviewed by a supervisor, it got kicked back for some corrections because there was some additional information that came back in. And so I just recall that from that discussion back then. But watching the videos was pretty, uh, uh, um, it was pretty dramatic to watch that happen to that girl. And so, uh, Anyways, so that driver was found at fault in that collision is pretty straightforward. Uh, the, you know, it wasn't the girl's fault. And so uh, I don't know much more about it. It's been a while. And so, um, you know, I, I remember that, that particular case. So I don't know that there was, I mean, even though that's a reported collision that made its way to Switters, I don't know if that results in and of itself to some engineering changes on Bridgeway I know it's also in that same area that we had that great presentation last month about the um, roundabout possibilities right there, which would be a really nice thing. I think all of us agree that's a uh, challenging intersection with a lot of different reasons um, in it. So um, if I missed a particular question other than what you asked, refresh my memory quick and if I can answer them. Great memory, Chief. Thank you for addressing almost everyone. What the last one I have is um, um, 
Are there members of the SPD who are currently trained and do you have plans to train additional ones and, and oh, yeah, yeah. coming up? Okay, so uh, first of all, clearly Lieutenant Gregory was wrong and it's sort of uh, a little bit embarrassing for that that would be the case because she's actually our third in command as our one and only police lieutenant and she should know better than that. Um, but clearly she didn't if she gave you that inaccurate information because not everyone at Sausalito has received that training. And so uh, that's just the way that goes. Because um, it's not true, we, we, it's not an accurate answer. Uh, so our supervisors, uh, uh, which are our sergeants, four of them, and our police corporals, because they also act as supervisors, they received that training at some point in their career. If they didn't get it when they were officers, then when they got promoted to either corporal or sergeant, then we add that training to them because they review the collisions. And we wanna make sure that the collision reports as they're submitted by the officers are accurate. Um, and so that's important. And so then um, that's who typically would get that training. There may or may not be a couple other officers who have that, I really don't know. Uh, we would like all of them to have it, um, but... Um, so. It's so the police department has the capability to provide a citation based on an investigation, yes? So that's, that's the reason behind that, that training, Aaron, is that if an officer is, is sent to the 4600 course, that 40-hour training class, then that officer can um, write a, a, um, a citation based on their investigation of the collision. And Sausalito has that capability to do so? Well, some. So I wouldn't want to say yes completely because not everybody's been to the class. Okay, got it. So, so but somebody, so help, help me understand if, if that happens, uh, it depends on who's assigned to investigate. Is that, is that the limitation? Yes. Okay, got it. So the person assigned maybe didn't have the capability, but the department as a whole does have the capability if it was assigned to a different officer that might have done the investigation, I guess. That'd be more accurate, yes. Okay. Do you recall what you told the PBAC at the time as far as if the Sausalito police had the capability to, do, to, to provide a citation at the time when we asked you in November, 2020? No. Is okay. it different than what I just said now? Yeah, yes, the answer was no. The Sausalito did not have the... Uh, oh, yeah, that's not right. Okay. And I don't know why I would have said that. It's not accurate, for one thing. And uh, because I know that we have officers that have that training. You know, so... <laughs> okay. I can't, I can't even begin to explain why I would say it. it would be like almost as bad as Lieutenant Gregory saying that we all had the opportunity to do that and me saying the opposite. No, yeah, Lieutenant Gregory did not did not say all, everybody had it. That was not what she had said. She had simply said she had that capability, and that's what she made clear to our safe routes to school. Uh huh. Um, oh, that so, that could be the case. Yeah, because yeah. at some point in her career now, she's been here over twenty five years. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah, so, she received that training at some point in her career, and and has had that ability to write yeah. citations based on that. Okay, great. Well, that's that's the follow-up. I think that that, that was really the, the question. 
we can review back the notes and just be like, maybe we misheard that or misinterpreted it. And then you know, can follow up uh, with the details later. Um, and because I do believe that there was email and of course recorded video, and we'll share that with you if 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 that was the misinterpretation because um, that was uh, something that at least I I had uh, interpreted at the time. So yeah, I saw a couple other heads agree with you. I'm I'm happy to take whatever your recollection is and 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 say that mine was whatever I said back then not accurate because it's just not. Okay. And I, and I will tell you this too, you know, that I had a, um, you know, career before here and I worked in San Rafael at PDE and I was a motorcycle officer for three years there and I would investigate the traffic accident collisions. And at, during that time period, the, the San Rafael Police Department sent me to an entire series of collision investigation classes up to it, including the CHP's major accident investigation team rating and so I did a significant amount of accident investigation so I'm just saying that in, in point of I, I I know better so if I made a mistake in what I said that's clearly not right because my background is is you know had, was traffic enforcement oriented during that time period in my career so oh. well thank you for that changed in the law about that since then it still remains the same everywhere could I follow up really quickly, Chief? I, I appreciate your your insight on this. If um, if we're barking up the wrong tree, please let us know. What you what you told us that the San Rafael uh, folks said was that it doesn't really serve any purpose to to issue a citation. Do do you share that opinion? I mean, like, should we be pursuing? getting citations written. Um, I know I had a hard time even getting a police report taken in my case, and that drove me bananas. And you can probably hear it in my voice, although I've had a cold as well. But I, um, I, I wonder if, you know, maybe the citation thing is beside the point, as you have suggested. But how do we make this a safer place? And we're on the same page about that. How do we make it a safer place for cyclists, for kids, for everybody? To, to ride or walk the, um, their way to school or whatever. Uh, your insight on that would be appreciated. I think that the answer is to, is to encourage people to make a, a, a report. And the citation is, doesn't really serve that much purpose, frankly, other than to increase the dollar amount of fine that someone might get, because it doesn't change anything. But um, and you could maybe argue that people that receive a traffic citation might remember that as something that was a life experience to them and maybe that they had to pay some money and they got a ticket and it's going to correct their behavior. I, I don't know. Um, maybe. I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody really wants to get a ticket, but I think most people don't want to get a ticket because it costs them money. But um, and I don't know if that's enough to change their behavior or not. But if you want to make a real difference, I think we need to make sure people are willing to, to um, um, you know, have a report taken. We find ourselves sometimes having to talk people into it uh, because they don't want to be bothered. They figure, well, we're just going to exchange names. It was pretty minor. Insurance is going to take care of it, you know, and then, then they want to go on their way. That's just called a names exchange. Sometimes we facilitate that for people. But we are uh, committed to, you know, asking, you know, people, if, you know, to, to let us at least take the minimum traffic accident report, you know, so that we can document those things. Because if we don't know that it happened and it doesn't get 
reported or captured, then it's really lost data. And uh, unfortunately, you know, people are not required to uh, complete a traffic accident report if the collision's minor enough. And I'm not talking about people that bump into a parked car necessarily, you know, like that when they're just trying to park and they bump into a car. That that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you know the kind that occur on roadways as people are driving and they and they, and something happens that, that that whether it's you know inattention or some other roadway engineering issues or something like that because that's where we get our data. Because if you have a chance to look at those uh, Twitter reports. You know, there's a lot of data they capture, and all that data comes off of the of the, you know, first two pages of the traffic accident collision report. All those little check boxes all get captured as data. Thank you. Um, I think we should. Uh, so I see John Chutak uh, We're gonna we're gonna uh, continue with Kieran and Warren first, and then we'll take public comment to John. So I just want to let you know I see your hand, um, but we'll hear from the members first. Karen, please. Great, thanks, Steve, for joining us today. Definitely learned a lot on this topic. I'm glad that we're continuing the dialogue here. Um, you know, certainly one example that comes to mind where the, you know, whether it's the citation or the traffic accident report, it would help us because we're not getting them today is the, the minor incidents. So a couple of months back, I um, I didn't witness it. it. Happened just after I turned the corner, or happened just before I turned the corner. But it was a gentleman who basically what we call uh, the right hook. Of someone essentially changed lanes in front of them, knocked the cyclist down, and you know as I compare that experience with what we're hearing today, like it's really an appreciation for most of the regula regulations processes. They're built around cars hitting other cars. And it doesn't all quite work the same or doesn't get to the same conclusions when we talk about incidents that involve bicycles. And so in this case, a gentleman was hit, knocked down, scraped up his body, scraped up his bike, but not didn't need to go away in an ambulance. You know, the bike wasn't worth enough money that he's gonna file an insurance claim. He was effectively, I was there, you know, he was effectively talked out of filing a collision report. Um, and so there was no driver point. Uh, there was a clear CVC violation for an unsafe lane change. There's no entry in any systems to record that as an incident so that we can learn from it. Uh, and we really could have used like a, a traffic collision report in those sort of instances or, or, or a citation, right? I mean, I don't think it makes a difference to me. It seems to um, both do something to both hold the driver accountable and learn from, from the situation. So. That's certainly um, different than the collision at Napa where there's a serious injury, but it's a very common occurrence. I know, Warren, you can, when you speak, like, I think it's something like 85% of bicycle accidents go unreported. Um, that, that will end up being an example of one of them, even though the police were present. So I'd love to continue the dialogue about how can we capture that because we want to learn from it. We want to make the city safer because of it. Um, another thing I want to share briefly if it's possible, you know, just on learning from our very large sibling uh, city to the south of us on enforcement when it comes to bike and pedestrian uh, issues is they, San Francisco did something called uh, Focus on the Five. So in, and I don't know if people can see my screen, in 2012, SFMTA, they basically called out speeding, violation of pedestrian right away in a crosswalk, running red lights, running stop signs, and failing to yield while turning 
has the five most common sources of injuries for pedestrians and bicyclists. And SFPD actually came together and committed to having half of their traffic citations focused on these five violations. So really trying to pinpoint what are the places where people get are getting hurt, trying to work towards vision zero. So I thought that was really interesting to, to see. Um, and quick question for you, Chief. Um, so I was looking at the most recent staff report on this from February 8th on essentially end of year citations. And uh, I was pretty surprised to see how low the number was of citations. So just on the quarterly basis in, um, well, starting the annual. So end of year 2021, as I read it, 40 citations over the entirety of the year um, were issued. Sounds like that was for traffic traffic citations. And it was 399 just a couple of years earlier. On a quarterly basis, there were five traffic citations. You know, Correct me if I'm wrong, five traffic citations in all uh, of the quarter. And there were 169 a couple of quarters prior, um, you know, Q4 2017 or a couple of years prior. Uh, Rowan, am I reading that right? Like, is there something I should interpret about uh, the fact that you're writing 33 times as many citations a couple of years ago? Uh, are we, you know, is, is, the, is the focus changed? Is the policy changed? Like anything we should draw from this? Oh, that, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, Karen, because it, uh, it co covers a couple different topics. Um, the parking citations and the um, moving citations are down for the last two years because of COVID. And so oh, that's not not part that that wasn't including parking. I'm sorry. I know that, that did, those numbers didn't include parking. I get that, but if you bring that back up, you'll see that the parking citations are uh, down as well in the last two calendar years. So we've written far fewer moving citations and parking citations during the COVID time period. And so some of that was purposeful and some of it was not. Uh, some of it was just because there's less people out, um, less cars on the road, less people coming to town to park. And then um, on the other, um, what I told officers, and, I, and I've said this publicly before, is that during COVID, especially starting two years ago, when the um, we were first, you know, going through the beginning of the pandemic, I told the officers, uh, both parking officers and the and the police officers, that I did not expect them to write the same amount of citations they were writing before, because I don't want people to think that the citation process is all that much of a moneymaker for us. And I asked them to please use some compassion during the COVID time about the impact of writing citations to people, uh, but that I still wanted them to make the enforcement stops. And I said, so if they see something that would be unsafe driving, I'd like them to still do the same amount of enforcement stops as they would always do, but to give some thought to not writing that citation. Um, because at the time period now, and it's just only now going back to in-person court, that the downstream impact on people, all people during the pandemic, if they were not already in the criminal justice system and they were gonna somehow get into the criminal justice system, even at the entry level of a traffic citation, it was gonna be horrid for them. 
and some people were, because there was no court to go to, it had a disparate impact on their driving record or driving, you know, trying to get their cases taken care of in court. And so uh, my instruction to people, and I'm not alone in that across the state, is saying, look, let's try and use a little compassion here during COVID. It doesn't mean people could drive around hog wild and do kinds of, you know, crazy things and we would just ignore it. That's not the point at all. Uh, in fact, some citations were still written regardless because those people, you know, had probably had some more, I don't know, deliberate or some uh, more uh, serious, you know, violations they were cited for. But that's clearly a reflection of the instruction I gave to the department. And I've said that to council before when we had those um, quarterly and annual reports, you know, and I talked about it different with now three different city managers uh, about that uh, point of view. And so um, that's, that's uh, my direction. I hope that helps answer your question somewhat. Um, okay, yeah, so that is right. So five, five traffic citations in 90 days. That could be. I don't. I don't know which one you're looking at, but yeah, it could be. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, I saw the annual one, but the annual one is whatever those are. Those are real numbers. So if you see five, that's what it is. I see uh, Warren's hand next. Thank you, Chief. Um, two questions. Uh, one coming back to the 4600 training, and then one actually touching on what you were just talking about. So, so the first question, I guess, this is for my advocation. Um, you know about officer assignment so if an officer is assigned to investigate a case and that officer themselves does not have the 4600 training can the officer who is reviewing the port the report who does have the 4600 training issue a citation or does the assigned officer to the, who wrote the initial report is their 4600 status kind of determinative of whether a citation can be issued. That's the first question. Um, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll answer that and then I'll come back to my second question so we don't get too confused. Yeah, that's okay. It's a good question. And the answer is, uh, is y yes. And here's how that would go. So um, I'll use an example that's a little bit different, but let's say that um, any of you are, are uh, you, you witness a particular driving violation, let's say like in your neighborhood, and um, we're just talking about driving violation, not a crash, but a driving, some kind of violation, somebody's speeding down your street and um, you, you know who it is uh, and maybe it's a neighbor or something and you call the cops and you go, you know, I'd really like that, that person cited. And we'll say, well, okay, uh, but you know, we didn't see it happen. You saw it happen. And if you would like, you know, we can go make contact with the driver. You know, you have to tell them, we'll, we'll be right there with you, but you know, we will write out the citation and we both sign it. Meaning you, the person who viewed it, then the officer who filled it out. And then of course the driver. And I, I, I can't tell you how many times, maybe less than a handful of my my experience does that ever happen that way because most people don't want to do that understandably yes but that but that's how that would work because we didn't view the the uh driving violation so one step further uh warren is now say we have a traffic accident again not not viewed by the officer 
the officer that does not have the 4600 training investigates the collision and then goes to their sergeant you know there's their team supervisor and says sarge i'd really 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 like to see this person get cited and you know would you look at my report see if my investigation is complete and then you know i'll sign the citation you sign the citation and then we'll mail a copy to the violator and that is possible again i don't know how many times that's ever happened um i, I wouldn't have a way of knowing exactly here but i would bet it's rare that that, that it goes to that level but but it could happen it could it could happen Great. So, that answers my answers my question okay. um so on the second question um and you kind of touched on this in your last the the last response uh, to Karen's question, but so you know on the question of of, fine, of fines versus points, how do you how do you see the role, you know, of discretion for the officer in a matter where the the fee schedule, as I understand it, you know, is defined by statute, set by the legislature. So do you see it as the officer's role to de determine whether you know, whether that that fee, which is associated with a certain violation of the CBC, should be issued? rather than just the points that the DMV issues? I, I would uh, venture to say that if you were to ask any of my officers or any officers anywhere else, if they know the fine for a particular violation, they probably would say no. The ones that might would be the ones that are like the motorcycle officers that do traffic citations all the time and they know that uh, I make it up. A, a stop sign is $75 or $100 or something like that. But I think that most officers don't know that. It doesn't factor into their decision making at all. That would be my my opinion. They don't they don't know that information. And then the judge has the discretion to determine what that's going to be anyways, because they add all those court fees on there and you know, like that. So I'll give you another example. I know that um uh, there was a time when the uh, cell phone violations first came out and they were like, um, I don't know, $15 or $25 or something like that. Very small. I don't even know what it is today, but it was very small. And I remember being in an elevator with a guy at the Civic Center and um, I was in uniform and he said, hey, uh, do you know where the traffic court is? And I go, yeah, room C10, this floor, go there. And, and I said, what'd you get a ticket for? And uh, he said, I'll drive with my cell phone. I go, you know, not a good idea, you know, distracted driving, et cetera. I said, if you don't mind, what's the, what's it look like your fine's gonna be? And he told me something like, you know, $195. And, and he said, and he thought that it was only worth like 15 or 20 bucks. And he felt that it was worth the risk of getting caught and spending 15 or 20 bucks for getting caught, not knowing that the court fees were gonna be so high. And the court fees, he said, I said, well, if you'd have known that it was with the court fees included, it was going to cost you close to $200 for your cell phone use. Would you have done it? And he said, no, not a chance. So that's sort of one of those things that people maybe knew what the financial impact was that might change their mind. I don't know. It's maybe a dumb story, but it's just one of those things about whether or not, uh, you know, if the officers know, I, I bet most of them don't. They might have some you know, if they went to court often enough, they might have some recollection of what that, you know, what, the, what a fine might look like in traffic court. 
but I, I, don't, I don't know about Warren. I'm not sure. Yeah, thanks. Uh, we got a question from Jake. Yeah, is it okay just to make a, I'm new to this, a quick statement, is that all right? Please, yeah, yeah, yeah you're, you're a member. It's, it's, it's relevant. So um, uh, I, I pulled a presentation that I actually uh, put together and uh, made to city council on May 4th, 2018. And the, the title was proposal to investigate car speed on Caledonia and Bridgeway. Um, and I just wanted to highlight the need to um, document incidents and maybe even citations because we put this together and we moved here we have small baby now we have two and a third on the way and we had a lot of close calls on both bridgeway and caledonia but one thing that came up in the survey that i posted on next door and came up when we were talking with some of the police officers was how many incidents had happened prior using that as a basis for whether or not there was a need for change and there wasn't much or at least there wasn't much of record so we, I think we, we did do a speed study and we found that I forget what it was like 80% of the traffic as long as it's in within 10 miles an hour of the mark speed limit there's no need to change it so nothing came of it but you know I'd, I'd love to to work with folks here and see if we can find some solutions because um, I, I joke that I've seen more cars pulled over than or bikes pulled over than cars in the six years that I've I've lived here <laughs> so but anyway I mean chief I appreciate your time I know this is a lot of work and um you know we we appreciate you being here and uh and answering our questions cool yeah it's good to see you jake and i'm glad welcome to the committee i think Here's. if you had a um speed limit or radar enforcement question that's probably something kevin could answer because there's some you know science to how those are determined i know that um coming here um uh, in 2009 and with some short years after that, the speed limit on Caledonia was reduced to 20. Yeah. And um, based on something, I don't really remember what it, what happened, but it's the first time I remember in my uh, experience that a, a, a uh, speed limit on a, on a street was reduced to less than 25. Mm -hmm. uh, but something was going on about why Caledonia should be slower. And I don't remember if it was radar done or if there was some other reason for it, but it Second was Street too. now Second Street is uh, 20 miles an hour as well. So in, in Old Town, it's posted 20. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of remarkable, you know, and of course, we're a small city with actually no no street with a speed limit higher than 35. Yeah. You know, whereas, you know, other other cities could have way faster streets than that. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Jake. Um, Thank you. Uh, so I saw Jessica's hand. It looks like she's down. She's out, out handling things. Um, yeah. Hold on. I, I guess I do have just a quick comment if possible. Please. Um, thank you for your time. And um, I guess one question would be in a situation where we are trying to have increased data, but being aware of kind of the financial obligations of people at this time is there an opportunity um, if we came to a situation again similar to this um, where we wanted to be conscious of the financial side that we would be able to still have a citation without a fee associated with it and I don't know if that is you know there's obviously rules and regulations around the, the fee structure but something like that where we're still being able to collect the data and have it be something that we can can use to have these discussions. 
I, I actually have to say, I'm not sure what your question is, though. Um, are Sorry, we going to go back to the the way we were doing things before the pandemic? Is that basically your question? Well, if you guys are still trying to reduce the quantity of citations that you are issuing due to the financial concern of people, are you able to still collect data by having the citation without a financial implication? Oh, um, I don't know. Um, I mean, write a citation with how, how sending one to court? Some way that we would be, I, I don't know what the process would be, but yeah. just for us to be able to have that data is the, the point that I think one of the pieces that we would like to have. No, I don't, I don't know that. Uh, I just don't. So it would mean like pulling people over then giving them a warning, for example, something warning, like that. Yeah. Warnings aren't tracked, right? That doesn't make it to us. Uh, it's just the citations itself. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, it's an interesting point, Jessica. And yeah, just, hey, we just want the stats, right? You know, uh, fine. You know, let's not let the money thing, maybe that, that makes sense. And that actually shows the compassion, but, uh, but we just want the stats. Um, but you know, th there's other ways uh, to Jessica, maybe working with the public works department to get, you know, to some, some of those stats of like how many people are speeding and stuff, you know, of course, when there's a collision, yeah, that needs to get tracked, um, of course. Anyway, um, I think we need to move on. We're we're way. Uh, this was a great talk. So let's uh, let's take some public comment. John, uh, you've been patiently waiting. John, I'm going to go with Truxall. <laughs> Maybe you can correct your name first, John. Uh, hi, my name is uh, John Truxall. Excuse me. <clears throat> uh, I note for the record that I was the first person to raise my hand. <clears throat> and nearly the last person to be able to speak. But I was the city attorney for Sausalito between 1989 and 1996. My question first is to the chief. Chief, first, I thank you for your service to the community. You mentioned something about a roundabout. Uh, where is the roundabout planned? Uh, I, I personally believe that roundabouts would be the best way to protect uh, pedestrians and bicyclists in, and drivers in along bridgeways where I would get rid of as many traffic signals as possible and install roundabouts. It's obviously very common in Britain. <laughs> I was almost run over by a, a car driver uh, uh, when I was, I, I, I don't own a car. I only have a bicycle and my legs. Uh, I was crossing a bridgeway at, um, by city hall uh, a couple of Saturdays ago and a woman turned in front of me. She ran into me, cut my leg. Uh, her, she rolled down her window. I, I, I held my position. I wouldn't move so that I could talk to her. Uh, she rolled down her window. Uh, and her excuse to me was that she was, quote, listening to the news, close quote. Clearly, a citation would never have protected me from that. I think citations are a waste of taxpayers' money. Police officers have much better things to do. Citations are a false sense of security. The only sense of security that can be had is to keep your eyes open, your ears open, uh, watch what's going on and don't trust people because that's how you protect yourself. And I do think, so Chief, once again, where is the roundabout that, that has been contemplated? Because I am here for the next item and I believe that the, the solution to the next item is a roundabout uh, at, uh, um, at any, any street past the current intersection. 
Well, let me answer your question by punting it to somebody else. I was just at the on, uh, attending the last meeting mm -hmm. in March, and there was a presentation related to it. I found that presentation uh, very informative. Um, I didn't have any hand in preparing it, so I would have to let someone else with more uh, information answer your question for you. Kevin, I, I can comment. I can comment on that one. We have discussed a number of roundabouts we'd like to see through town that would make the improvements you've described. The specific one uh, that's probably, hopefully the, the soonest coming and will be included in a current safety study is at Napa, so Bridgeway and Napa. Yep, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Karen. Okay, thank you, thank you, John, for your uh, public comment. I just wanna also uh, acknowledge uh, that, yes, the, your hand was up, but we, uh, it's a policy that we have our members speak first. And so then you were the first for the public comment section, which is what we're doing right now. And that also has a three minute limit, which is what- No, I, I appreciate that, but I have a basketball game to watch tonight. Uh, and I believe that the public has as much right to speak as do the members of the committee. I respect your service to the community, but um, there I, is an important basketball game. <laughs> I would like you to move this along. And I think most of the questions that have been asked could simply have been asked of the chief via email because they're not important for the entire commission to hear, frankly. Very good. Thank you for your uh, finalized public comment. So uh, I think Sybil, I see your hand up next. Um, thank you, Chair and everybody. I'm happy to be here. Um, I actually wanted to, Chief, I wanted to ask you a, a question that I know is not a popular subject um, <laughs> here, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, you know, I've been, I'm very concerned about the, um, the bicyclists that do not stop at red lights and do not stop at pedestrian crosswalks when people are in the crosswalks. And I see that on Bridgeway in Sausalito every single day. And um, this is a conversation I started with your predecessor when Jennifer was there uh, and um, uh, Trujillo. And um, anyway, I, you know, it's a, it's a difficult issue. I understand not wanting to get your foot out of the, you know, the doubt, get, get your foot out and put it down on the ground. Um, but I've seen some very serious side swipes and um, I know that 21% of collisions and accidents in South Toledo involve older adults, which is, you know, what my um, advocacy is for our older adult population at specifically and particularly um, and others as well. But um, this is a particular concern because many older adults are slower crossing on the, you know, on the crosswalks. They not, may, may, may not be able to hear as well. They may not be able to, you know, focus as well on what's happening all around them. And the law requires when they step down off the curb into a, crosswalk, then they have the right of way. And that is not honored by a large percentage of the, um, the, the bicyclists that uh, traverse our, our, um, our street, our main street. And, um, and also, I mean, it's offensive that people go right through red lights. And if you say, hey, you just went through a red light, they flip you the finger. You know, it's just completely unacceptable and, uh, and I'm just wondering you know what the 
what thoughts you have about about that and mit mitigating that situation. And yes, we're gonna we're planning to do some safety presentations on Bridgeway and try to, you know, alert people again this summer. But um, I'd like to hear what you have to say, sir. Thank you. Okay, well, first let me say, it's good to see you again, Sybil. I don't think I've seen you since an in-person council meeting. It's been a while. Uh, <laughs> it's that way with almost everybody these days. We don't get to see anybody anymore. Uh, you know, all the things you say are actually true. And I'd like to believe that everybody, not just bicyclists, but everybody has a responsibility on the roadway. You know, there's just as many people driving cars that do that as well and present dangers to people on bicycle and present dangers to people that are pedestrians. But even sometimes there's people who are pedestrians that are not really paying attention. I mean, of course. they don't get carte blanche to just step into the roadway. I mean, we would like them to stop first. Frankly, it'd be kind of nice if there was a rule that said people that are crossing the street shouldn't be on their cell phone. But you see it all the time. Please. I go, what are you doing? Cross the street, put the phone down. How important can that call be? Get across the street, then pick your phone back up again. So it's one of those kind that's a, a, a total shared responsibility for everybody. And, and one of the things that we did, um, you know, now going back five or six years is we were able to get a little bit of funding from the city council to allow us to hire now two retired high patrol officers. And then they work traffic enforcement for us. And, um, because they're retirees, they're only allowed to work a limited amount of hours in a, any given year, uh, 960 hours in, in, a, in, a calendar, you know, in a fiscal year. And so we typically employ them from April through October. So you'll be seeing them again. Um, and and they'll, you know, they work on, on all traffic enforcement things for us because it's a, uh, you know, they, they are trained to ride our police motorcycles. And many of you know Officer McAfee and, and then Officer Barrage, Kenzie Barrage. And that's what they, you know, that's what they did for a living. And so they're able to do things that our officers in the cars can't and gives us a chance to do some extra enforcement. You know, okay. we did some, um, okay. You know, we did we did enforcement related to pedestrian safety, Sybil, and, and you know, the officers are, uh, you know, keen about writing that. So we'll, we'll keep up the effort as best we can. Thank you, Chief. We're, we're going to keep, thank you, Sybil. Uh, we're going to keep moving on. Um, Kevin Carroll, you got your hand up. Oh, okay. I got to unmute myself. Um, just based on my observation, you know, I'm out on the street a lot and I don't see the officers parked in the usual locations. Um, where they do traffic enforcement dramatically in the last two years. But also I noticed just in reading the Marin scope and personal observation, you seem to be getting called a lot down to uh, the homeless encampment. So I'm wondering if that's had an impact on traffic enforcement and also the man manpower issues. It seems like there just aren't as many officers around anymore. Thank you. I could comment on that real briefly and just both two things, uh, Kevin, um, and thank you for all your attention when you're out in your cab and, and like our extra eyes on the, on the street for things that need to be fixed. Um, the, uh, the police department is currently at 25% less staffing 
than our, our, our usual number. And remember, we're a very small city, don't have a lot of cops to start with. And so, uh, but due to some two frozen positions and some industrial injuries, we're short staffed. So if you see a few less cops, that's why, um, about whether where they're parked or usually do their enforcement. So, um, and yeah, sure, there's some calls at the encampment, no, no denying that. I don't, I can't say that that's, um, any the sole reason for you know anything uh it's a contributing factor for sure that we're spending time on that that we might be able to do someplace else but uh, anyway those are the two quick answers to your question kevin okay thank you chief uh for that and that i do not see any other uh hands up from public comment so uh with that i think um I'd like to suggest we move on. We that it's, uh, it's currently 7:35, so we are uh, behind. Let's put it that way. Uh, item 4B, the Gate Six intersection concerns. Um, that's uh, we've seen a, 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 and heard a public comment written um, and included in the agenda from uh, John Truxaw, who's joined us today. Um, uh, not sure how best to uh, to handle it. Here we go. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, in order to kind of remind each everybody of what the Gate Six project was, I have a couple slides for you, just to kind of remind folks what things looked like beforehand. This is the uh, original one of the original pictures of the intersection where a cyclist who wanted to go southbound from the uh, the pathway from Mill Valley would have to stop and wait for the light. And there was some confusion here at this intersection of whether they went with the traffic or there was some conflict. And um, many years ago, Supervisor McGlashan, who passed away suddenly, um, almost 10 years ago, I think by now, um, has started this project way back when in order to improve cycling uh, access to the southbound movement on the bridgeway. So this project was developed uh, like I said, many years ago, and the intent was to uh, put a, a dedicated southbound movement for cyclists into the phasing of the signal itself. And this was uh, funded through the county, through grants, a little bit at the city as well, but the majority of this came from uh, the county and grants themselves. So there are several other pieces to this that we would like to talk about this evening. And like you mentioned, Mr. Chairman, we did get a letter from a member of the public and which we do appreciate. I wanted to take a look at this a little bit. Um, one of the things I notice when I come to work and uh, ride my bike in is that uh, there are some, some things that need to be improved. And I think we've talked about this before in this meeting specifically. The green ball that indicates for cyclists to cross the street and move from one side of the intersection to the other is fairly small. And if you're not used to looking at it, you wouldn't know if you're supposed to go on that green ball or this other one that is indicated for gate six. So we wanna take a close look at that. Um, this particular intersection utilizes blank out signs. And I believe the member of the public who sent us an email had mentioned that a lot of the a lot of the uh, vehicles that, that make this right-hand movement don't look for this blank out sign and they look over their shoulder to uh, the uh, off-ramp from the highway to see if it's clear or not. So there is some conflict here at some point in time. And 
we might need some police assistance at some point to uh, enforce this in the future. So again, you got some blank out signs, one here, one here on the, uh, let's see, oh, that's on the southeast corner. And there is also one, excuse me if I move folks out of the way, on the other corner. And I'm not too sure if that one is necessarily needed. So I wanna take a close look at that with our other representatives from different jurisdictions, which is Caltrans as well as the county. This is shared through three different jurisdictions, which makes it quite difficult to make changes. Uh, it doesn't mean it's not possible. It just means it takes a lot of time. So I wanted to bring that up. Um, one of the reasons this came forward is that one of the push buttons was damaged and it hasn't been repaired yet. We've moved this on to the County of Marin and we're reaching out to Caltrans themselves in order to get this fixed. Um, we've had some issues with trying to move this along quickly and that just hasn't happened fast enough. So we're still working on that as far as um, the city's jurisdiction part. Again, I'm anticipating that I'd love to put in an additional blank out sign here to indicate to cyclists to cross the street as well as yield to pedestrians um, at the same time because this little green ball may not be enough. It's something to consider. I wanted to bring it up to the group. I know we've talked about it in the past, but uh, it still takes some legwork on our part to interact with Caltrans, who generally has the design aspect of this intersection itself. So we wanna reach out to them. All right, um, that's it for my short presentation. And we can bring it back to you, Chairman, to see if any of the members of the committee would like to comment first before you open it up for public comment. Yes, yes, please. Thank you for that. Also, I was wondering, is uh, Chief Rohrbacher, I was wondering if we could hear from him. There's a lot of concerns and, and uh, noticing of the, of the um, violation of that sign. And I was just wondering uh, if we could even understand a little bit of just since the jurisdictions around there is so, so complicated with county and Cali Caltrans and all that, is that um, if there were to be someone that could provide a citation for running to going through the, the, the no right turn sign, what uh, would Sausalito PD be even capable of doing that is say if they were making a right onto Bridgeway from the uh, from the, uh, I guess, eastbound direction. Okay. Under so the Mr. Bridge. Chairman, even before John steps in, mm -hmm. um, I know that we've had some issue with the actual jurisdictional boundary. Uh, mm -hmm. Who actually has that area of the city itself? Is it within the city or is it within Caltrans or is it within the county? Mm -hmm. we, uh, we've actually hired a, a, uh, a civil engineer to help us with this to try to figure this jurisdictional boundary out which could influence a little bit of how John answers this question as well of whether CHP polices it or, or we do. So mm -hmm. um, we, we are working on that right now to try to solve that issue. Mm -hmm. Got it, all right. Yeah, so Kevin just answered the question the way I would. It's actually mm -hmm. at the moment, Aaron, it's not our jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. Our yeah. jurisdiction as we know it now actually is um, a little bit um, south of that intersection entirely. Mm -hmm. So none of that is actually ours as we know it. We don't respond to collisions there. We don't respond to any other concerns in that area. It's not ours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes it complicated. And I think it's a really important thing to make clear to everyone as we continue to go forward here, which is that's kind of the primary one that's actually putting us cyclists in danger as we're crossing. And yet um, we, we, you know, we just had this huge conversation about 
citations and all, and we can't actually ask our Sausalito PD to be the ones to even set that up. Um, I'd be curious actually though, if, if we were just to park a, a, a police car to see how many people would be running it to actually understand, are they just not seeing it or are they just ignoring it? That would be an interesting, uh, interesting science project um, to take on. Uh, Regan uh, is, is the next member with his hand up, uh, please. Thanks. Um, I have a, a question about the design. It's um, just a clarification, Kevin. Is it truly a one-way path, that diagonal um, bike striping from the bike path to the southbound lane? Because as I pointed out in an email some months ago, there are occasions where either pedestrians or bicyclists would like to go the opposite direction to, to, to run the hypotenuse rather than the two legs of the triangle um, to, to get to the bike path from Marin City. So I guess that's my question. It, it just seems odd that it would be if it is in fact, um, as marked a one-way lane. So I wasn't here when it was designed, but that's a very good question. Let me take a look at it and get back to you at it, get back to you with an answer. So very good question. I know that some of the striping on the concrete indicates that it is one way, but there are some other striping that may not. So let me look at it. But uh, to point out, Regan, there's no, there's no bike light on the opposite direction. So th there would be no indication that the a cyclist would actually proceed through that in that direction. So no, that's right. So the yeah. facilities would have to change if in fact, that idea were endorsed. Yeah, but. and that uh, and that was something that we, as you recall, in our committee, we had identified that as a as a, a big miss in the original design. And David Sudo, I believe, had uh, helped us understand that even if there was a time when actually bicyclists weren't allowed to ride on the sidewalk underneath that underpass as well. So there's there's a lot of history there that. Um, what happens when uh, the di designs get stale over time. You, you shouldn't let them wait. It's not like a fine wine. Anyway. May, I, may I answer the question? Um, right now, John, it's uh, just the members only. And I know, I know, but you asked a question that was unanswered. I'm, I am able to answer the question. There is no push button to go to allow a, a bike rider or a pedestrian <laughs> to use the diagonal in the opposite direction, nor is there a light at the other end for a pedestrian or for a bike rider to rely upon to walk in that direction. So in fact, it is a, it is a one way only diagonal because the only push button is the one that's used by bike riders solely. And the only light is the one that is, is barely visible to a bike rider. Yeah, and that's correct. And that's exactly what I said as well, John. So, um, okay, so let's continue uh, to move on with Kieran. Uh, Regan, was that, are you done with your uh, comment? Yeah, thank you. Okay. Yep, uh, Kieran. Yeah, uh, thanks for bringing this up. Thanks for that presentation, Kevin. It's helpful having the context, especially considering how far back it goes. I, um, and we should also recognize some of the improvements that have already been made. So thank you, Kevin, for pushing some of those. We need more. Uh, I agree with some of the comment that we've seen in writing and discussion of my priority is actually to get that bike path extended to gate six that's what we've called segment six in the 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 greenway plan for sausalito i'd love to continue this dialogue on how we can find funding for that 
because I think it actually is a good candidate for finding grant funding. Uh, in the interim, you know, let's, I, I would like to get the dialogue going on how we improve safety, especially the illegal rights on red. Uh, I, I'm not a, a fan of reverting. I, I think it's actually about how do we make it better rather than going backwards because there is goodness in here. We just need to find the way to get it. Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the, you know, Mr. Truxhouse said it really well uh, in the previous agenda item is the thing that keeps you safest out on the streets is keeping your eyes open, you know, watching those drivers or where their, their eyes. It's unfortunate. I would like better infrastructure that would separate us from the vehicles. But, you know, in that intersection, it's, it's much like any controlled crosswalk if you're on a bike or, or walking. You want to make sure that there's no vehicles, whether it's illegal or not, turning in front of you. Um, and right now, it's the, the, the layout, the configuration is not doing the trick. Like, I would expect super big signs about configuration changes. Um, I would expect a red arrow on the stack of, uh, of lights, not a separate blank out. Um, so I think that there's a lot more. It sounds like Caltrans in the county. I think there's a lot more that could be done here. And you know, I think we need to raise the, those concerns. Kevin, if there's a way that we as PBAC can be helpful to you know, add ammunition to the concerns that we're seeing, we'd love to help you to that end. Thank you, Karen. Okay, so uh, any other comments from uh, members of the committee? Okay, I see no hands. Uh, so now open to public comment. Uh, I see David Sudo's hand. If anybody else has a public comment, please raise your hand. David, please. Good evening, folks. Thanks for back on the uh, agenda again. Um, I, I got a chance to talk to somebody who uses that intersection every day as a pedestrian on Saturday, so I, I got some of her input. I, I encourage her to show up at this meeting, but she didn't. She couldn't. She's not very technically uh, good at Zoom meetings. Um, you know, and her issues were a the signal issue with the button being broken. Um, B, it, it, uh, many times it doesn't feel safe because of those people making that illegal right-hand turn. Um, and and she also brought up that that issue of the diagonal. It's very unclear for people coming from Marin City or or north end of town trying to cross over to. Um, you know, where the restaurant and the bike store are, that whether they can go across the deck or whether the correct way is to go across the crosswalk. There's not a lot of indication for somebody who's on a bike or walking what the correct way to do that is. Um, so, and it, my, my own experience down there is on a, on a Saturday, if you wait more than two light signals cycles, you can see multiple people go through that that sign. I mean, it's not like you have to wait 20 minutes for someone to do it's, it's happening every five minutes. Um, and I know we have problems with the manual and uniform traffic control devices, but I sure think it would help if we had some signage under the blank outs, because one of the problems is they're perfectly blank black when they're not lit and you, so you don't have any indication of what those signs are. So if you roll up onto that intersection, having never been there before, You'll have no idea what that light's going to say when it turns turns on or that it's even there sometimes in the dark and then it turns on and people are looking to make sure for a right turn on red and they never see that sign when they turn um i do think there's people in a hurry that aren't that aren't obeying it too but i think the one thing i would say is i have 
on Octavia Street in uh, San Francisco, they have a blank, similar blank out, and they have some old signage there about um, about the blank out being there and, and not turning when the light's on. Uh, so I think that would be useful if we can figure out some way to some add some additional signage to that. Thanks. Thank you, David. Always good to see you. Really, really grateful to have you here, as always. Um, John Truxaw, you are next, please. Here we go. Unmute yourself. There you go. There we go. Uh, yeah, thanks again for having me. And, and again, I appreciate uh, that this is on the agenda. Uh, I do personally believe, uh, and I disagree with Kieran on this, that the that this simply has to be abandoned. It is a false sense of security to any bike rider because the two lanes coming from bridge, the drivers will always look to the left to see if a car is coming off the off-ramp and they will kill somebody accidentally. It will not be their fault. It will be the county's fault, unfortunately, because this is not in the city's jurisdiction. The, the county should not have... Uh, allowed this. I have been copying the county uh, uh, general counsel and other and others on the emails I've been sending to you guys. I sent you a video, two videos this morning uh, at rush hour. At rush hour, you would anticipate that the people driving drive this five days a week. So at 8.30 this morning, I was out for my morning walk. I walked there especially to anticipate, just to see what was happening. I didn't obviously cause it to occur. And the moment I arrived, the green light was on for a bike rider that you will see in the video who was starting to come across when two cars turned to the right uh, and violated the no, the no stop sign because they didn't see it. They weren't looking for it. They wouldn't anticipate it. This was probably the only diagonal crossing uh, of this sort in the state of California. Caltrans does not support it. I've talked to the people at Caltrans. They uh, don't support it. Um, I think it simply has to be abandoned. The Bay Trail has to be extended, in my opinion, to Harbor. Uh, and then it, it can it continue on to the Marincha, Um because bike riders want to be safe. They will take whatever route uh, they are is allowed to them that is safe. Uh, you have thousands upon thousands of people who use ride their bikes on this path daily, if you want to blow your mind, go out there on a weekend sometime and see the numbers of people who are not used to it. On weekends, in addition to the, the, the drivers at that intersection who are used to it and violate it, you've got thousands of them, thousands of tourists who of course are not anticipating that no stop light. So you're giving bike riders a false sense of security. You are gonna ruin the lives of the people who kill them you're gonna ruin the lives of the children, of the grandchildren, of the mothers and fathers of the decedents, and you're gonna do it because you are stubborn. You have accepted the design. You, you refuse to accept the fact that it was poorly designed. It's outside your jurisdiction. You have to ask yourself, what business did you have doing that in the first place? Bike riders are incredibly important to the economy of Sausalito. Bike riders love this community. Uh, and you are doing them all a disservice. They all made it across it in the past. They will take whatever route they can take to, to get there. We share information with each other. Uh, and so I just beg you, I'm here simply begging you to save people's lives. And it is easy to do. You should shut it off tomorrow. And by virtue of the other thing is that poll. There's a poll for pedestrians to push on the on the 
at the very beginning of the Bay Trail that the city installed, if you go there and look at where the pole has, has fallen down twice in four months, cars have crashed into it and has been left on the, on the trail itself. I was there one morning early and I saw that it had fallen down and I tried to move it, but because it was connected by wires to the sidewalk, it, I'm out of time. Do I have to stop talking? Uh, if you can wrap it up, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's an important. Well, I just want to tell you about the pole because it, 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 it's a, it seriously injured a bike rider. Mm -hmm. The pole got crashed into, I tried to move it aside. I couldn't because A, it's very heavy and B, it is uh, connected by wires to the system. Uh, when I came back 45 minutes later, a bike rider had crashed into the pole. He had flown off of his bike. He had landed on his helmet and he couldn't get up. I went to him and uh, told him to stay where he was. And, and me and another fellow assisted him to get up. Uh, I then luckily found three city of Sausalito yellow cones or orange cones that we put around the, uh, the, uh, the pole. It remained there for a full week before yeah. it was removed. It wasn't removed by the city because the city doesn't have jurisdiction. I believe it was removed by Caltrans. The okay. pole is there, get this. There was a still, if you look at the pole, John, but, John, we do, we do really want to kind of, we want to encourage, uh, all right. Thank you, John. We really appreciate your, um, concern. It's, it's a real concern. Thank you very much for, for bringing it to our attention and actually providing a lot of data that, uh, is invaluable. So, uh, okay, so uh, Kevin, is there any recommendations uh, on, on how we should proceed, if anything, right now with the concerns that have been brought up from the public? No, the, the concerns that are brought up from the public as well as from the, the committee members is very helpful. I wanna keep this on our list for future meetings. We do wanna reach out to Caltrans and others with trying to improve what we have at this point in time and uh, if we, I actually think we might want to have David Parisi do a cursory review of the intersection based on some of the comments and uh, see if they have any merit at this point in time. Mm -hmm. so we'll look into that. And also I wanted to mention too, that there's a, there's a uh, equity play here as well in the uh, reverse direction from Marin City. And uh, that, that's something that should also be, you know, that may actually help with, uh, with getting some attention as well. Yeah, thank you. Great, thanks for that. Uh, we should proceed. It's it's a, it's late. We'll try and streamline it. The uh, the next item on the agenda is uh, the stairs appreciation walk subcommittee. Uh, let me just summarize that as as saying that uh, with the opening of the North Street stairs, thank you to the city for getting that open. I walked on that today, and uh, and it just brought a. Uh, we'd love to just celebrate and have the 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 community go out for a walk. So I would just uh, like to. To make a motion um, that uh, that that the Sausalito Pedestrian and Bicycle Advisory Committee um, creates a just a subcommittee that would uh, that would work with other organizations within Sausalito to create a uh, a, a public appreciation walk. Um, and and if uh, if that is a is a, is a motion, I'd, I'd like to just make that now. And I got a second. Sure. Should we speak, seek public comment before we second and vote on your motion? Right. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so let's make, let's uh, let's uh, open it up to public comment. Sorry, it's it's very very uh, light detail, but the idea is that uh, 
as I as I said, it's a uh, public appreciation walk. Sybil, please. Um, uh, uh, thank you, Erin. Uh, I just uh, wanted to say we did talk with you about that. We were very pleased that you uh, reached out and told us about the plans. And um, H Friendly um, chose not to um, endorse it or collaborate in under that hat um, because stairs are very difficult for a lot of the older uh, adults. However, our Walking College Fellowship um, which includes um, three members of Age Friendly South Toledo, including myself, Vicki Nichols, and Juanita Edwards of Marin City, um, are interested. And I know Vicki has said she'd be happy under our California Walking College um, Fellowship to um, participate in uh, planning for, for such a community event. And we'd be glad to help promote it. And um, and those uh, seniors who feel ready to take on the stairs, of course, would be most welcome and, and encouraged to participate. But it isn't the kind of thing we normally would endorse for that reason. <laughs> we're more we're more we'd be more interested in what we can do about putting a ramp next to the stairs or a <laughs> lift or something like so, that. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. I want to sweet stairs. They they get my heart going too. <laughs> But I, you know, I appreciate that. Appreciate the uh, the support and uh, and thank you for for uh, for your public comment. Uh, also, I got some good feedback from uh, from Sausalito Beautiful as well, and they they were excited about the uh, the concept. It's just a way to share. Um, another concept was with also the uh, the emergency um, committee as, as well. That oh yes, right. And uh, Sausalito, I'll just mention uh, quickly. Sausalito Village has some emergency cluster uh, captains um, um, and um, that would be another place to connect because they work with neighborhoods and communities um, to specifically uh, it's a little different from the from the cert captains and so forth um, but they work with people on evacuation older people in particular so that would be another place that I'd suggest and South Salido Village thank you Thank you. Okay. So uh, if there's any other public comments, please raise your hand. Um, otherwise, um, yeah, so I'd like to make a motion. Um, second. I'd like to okay. second your motion. The second my motion. Thank you, Karen. Okay, Kevin, we, we have a motion. Do, you, do, you need to re, do we need to repeat the motion, Kevin McGowan? Yes, that would be helpful. Okay. I, I make the motion that the uh, Sausalito, the, 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 that we uh, uh, recommend that uh, we make a subcommittee to, uh, to, for the stairs appreciation uh, walk. So, and uh, that, that would uh, work with other organizations in Sausalito to, uh, to promote a, uh, a public stairs appreciation walk or series of walks, something like that. I'll follow up with the, uh, the exact um, terminology. That sounds good. Um, let's see. Why don't I call the roll since we've had a second from Kieran already? Is that is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I second it. Okay. Uh, Jessica, are you still on the on the call? I am. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Jake. Yes. Uh, Regan. Yes. Oh. Thank you. Great. Kieran Culligan, you approved, and uh, Aaron yes. Miller. Yes. All right, that motion passes.
Great, thank you. Okay, so it's eight o'clock. Uh, it's usually our our um, goal time. Uh, Kevin, we have uh, a whole bunch of project updates on the on the list. Um, I don't. Uh, how would you, how would you like to proceed? You know, I think only one or two of these are important, and I'd like Andy Davidson, since he's stuck with the call all along, um, maybe he can step up and give us an update on Paloma Street Sidewalk Project and Nevada Street. Those two are pretty important for this group. Thank you. Uh, the, Thank you. The other ones, uh, just keep in mind, everybody, that they are moving along. Uh, the CIP is not finalized at this point, and the other projects are um, moving in the design phase. Go ahead, Andy. Hi, let me just get this going. I mean, it, it'll be quick. You're very familiar with both of these projects, so we'll just make it make it really quick. Um, the first one is the Coloma Street project, and that was uh, the city council authorized uh, authorized that we sign an agreement with BKF engineers for the design of this project just on March 22nd. The project basically consists of closing a gap from the easterly end of Coloma on the west side of Bridgeway to the MLK driveway. So we plan on installing a six foot wide sidewalk to close that gap down at the intersection of the Paper Street with Tamales and Coloma. We'll put a pedestrian mid block crossing with the rapid flashing beacons some uh, a couple of uh, curb ramps bulb outs to slow to pinch traffic down and narrow the, the lanes at that location additionally we plan on repairing or rehabilitating the existing sanitary sewer underneath coloma uh, repaving the street there is an interest by some of the public to include street trees so we'll take a look at doing that as well this project uh, received a grant from Safe Pathways. Uh, it's a large project. The city received $400,000. Approximately $40,000 is available this physical, fiscal year, so we will be able to start the design process uh, hopefully in May or June. And then the remainder of the, the amount of money, roughly uh, $350,000, becomes available next fiscal year. I don't believe that that full amount of money will, will, will cover the all of the design and construction. So we'll need additional funding when we go out to construction. Uh, here's the bridgeway end. And you can see the conform location at the existing driveway behind Scotty's, um, the businesses there. In addition to Coloma, it includes some work at the intersection of Ebb Tide and MLK campus, uh, creating some pedestrian, if you can see my cursor, some pedestrian refuges here and here, allowing people to cross um, with curb ramps, new striping, um, and it'll be a bit more safe. And since I'm going to continue, we'll just move on to Nevada Street, which you're obviously pretty familiar with. I did receive drawings from Parisi. Uh, they're identifying them as roughly 90% complete for this project received them late last week so i'll be reviewing them this week and probably next as time permits you're familiar it's a traffic calming project uh, narrowing the travelways adding uh, curb ramps at the intersection of tamales and nevada and extending out to bridgeway with some additional 
pavement markings with the the uh, squeezing the the parking and the and the and the traffic lanes and including um, new crosswalks there on Bridgeway. Uh, that's coming into final design. This was also a safe routes to path grant project. We received the city received fifty thousand dollars for it. And that amount of money will just about cover the design, not quite. So with um, all that money essentially being used up, we'll need probably, we're looking somewhere between two hundred dollars and $300,000 for construction. That's the estimate I have received from Parisi. So we're going to have to work with um, both them and others to see what we can do to try and squeeze down the costs a little bit. But there's not a lot you can do. I mean, the pavement marking is the pavement marking. Um, we do have a lot of pavement rehabilitation that is necessary on at least the lower portion of Coloma, sort of eastward of Tamales out to Bridgeway. Westward from Tamales, the street's in pretty good shape. So hopefully we'll be able to save some of the funding um, by not spending it on pavement rehabilitation west of Tamales. So that's a pretty quick review. Um, and if you have any quick questions, I'd be happy to try and address them. Uh, schedule on Nevada, is there a schedule or we're waiting on funding then still? Well, so our goal has always been to get it out to bid as quickly as possible and get it constructed this summer. That's that's always been our goal, and that okay. still is our goal. Okay, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And then um, the Coloma thing, thank you for that. Uh, Will, uh, we have, uh, it, it's getting late and, and everything, and this is still in the early in the phases. Was there Would there be an opportunity for us uh, at PBAC to uh, provide more um more or more feedback or can we can we email you some feedback or uh and or uh, will you be presenting this to the safe routes to school meeting that i assume is, is coming up at, at the end of the year uh, i can certainly present this to safe routes to school and receive feedback from PBAC, but we are going to go into design and this has this has sort of been on the books since 2019 um but happy to see what your thoughts might be i don't know that it's we can change a lot uh, we tried to change things on Nevada, and that, that just kind of <laughs> got held up. So, yeah. um, But I'm happy, of course, to listen to what your thoughts are, because we are at the beginning of this. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, let me, I just have a little bit of insight there. So let me follow up with some emails on, sure. uh, on this. And uh, and it's, uh, overall, thank you for the crosswalk. That's it. You know, that's that's a huge thing. So um, right. mostly that's, that's the primary thing. I see Kevin McGowan's hand. I think he may... Some good insight, Kevin. Yep, yep. Quick, uh, quick additions to the one on Coloma Street. Um, we would, we are going to need additional funding for this project. So the city's working with a grant specialist, and we put this one on the list. I have a few meetings with them coming up to find out how they can help us with this. Mm -hmm. And um, as Andy suggested, the money for the construction doesn't become available until I think it's the fall of 2020. Uh, next next fall next so think, yeah i think what we're what i've suggested in the capital improvement program is to push the construction off for another year in order to try to find additional funding for the actual construction so that's the idea is to seek out additional funds in order to redo the street you got to redo the sanitary line you got other things going on here too so um but that's just kind of a quick update that we needed to we need more money on this and we're looking for it. Great. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, I'll be sure to mention this uh, to um, oh, Wendy Callens and, uh, and let her know that, that you gave an update and she can watch the video. Really appreciate it, guys. 
Um, I, I see uh, any other members uh, want to make a comment? If not, I see a uh, hand uh, public comment. Sybil, please. Uh, thank you so much. Um, the, I live in the neighborhood and I live in the senior community there, um, the Rotary Village. Um, and we have a lot of concern about the fact that, first of all, the sidewalk ends at the driveway and does not go all the way to Alima Street. Um, so that means that the seniors who walk down their little driveway, which is basically a continuation of Coloma Street, still have to walk in the middle of the street in order to, you know, go to the grocery store or anything else. Most of them do not drive. Um, and um, so this is very concerning to us. Um, that's, you know, one issue. We also um, would, you know, and we've actually spent some time with our urban design mentors from the California Walking College discussing that block and um, in fact, David Parisi and Wendy Kalen met with us and we saw an, a draft design that Parisi had done, I guess, a couple of years ago. Um, I don't know how that relates to the design that um, the current contractor may or may, may be working on, but um, that was the first thing. And then just a, a, a second thing is we really feel there's a necessity for traffic calming on that street. And one idea regarding that was to make it a raised crosswalk um, because that has a dual purpose then. Um, and um, we have a lot of cars. I know some people don't realize this if they don't live here, but a lot of cars that come down from Lincoln and Butte, yes, most of them stop at those stop signs. Then they accelerate on Olima and race around that blind corner where Chris usually has two or three Jeeps parked and there's no way to see. And then they have to walk in the middle of the street at this point. And, um, you know, people may be walking, crossing with their dogs or walking from the senior center or kids coming out, standing around with their tennis rackets in the street. You know what it looks like now. It's pretty risky uh, stuff at this point, but, um, so, you know, we would really like to see a stop sign on Olena Street there as well. And I know this has been discussed before, but um, if we can't have that, a bulge out on that corner, on that north, on that southwest corner of Olima, I think is how you describe it, would be very helpful for pedestrians. But somehow we have to deal with how people get from that crosswalk, I mean, that, that, sidewalk on the west side of Olima that ends at the um, the driveway into Crotary Village, which is um, like the continuation of Coloma Street, how they get from there to safely across that intersection and onto a, a this new sidewalk, which we are very happy about um, having. Um, and so I'd like to see more attention given to that little piece yeah. of the puzzle and not stop in the middle of the block. Thank you. Thanks, Phil. Cool. Um, is there any other comments uh, from the public? Please raise your hand. I see none. 
So thank you, uh, Andy, for uh, hanging out with us for the presentation tonight. Thank you, Kevin McGowan, for, uh, for preparing that. Thank you, Chief, for, uh, for, for sticking this out as well. So we are here uh, at our next, uh, we're talking about future agenda items. And uh, now's the time to share uh, something that you'd like to discuss. Uh, I've, uh, it's been brought to my attention that, uh, that uh, the uh, crosswalk at the uh, Golden Gate Market would like to be uh, discussed by uh, Golden Gate Market. So I'd like to put that on as a uh, possibility for a future agenda item as early as next meeting and then also with that um, in coordination with that I think it would be a good time to review how the uh, you know the bridgeway bike lanes between Princess and um, Richardson may be coming along since that may be a, an associated project as well so I'd like to identify those as two possible discussion items uh, Warren yeah I, I think I had mentioned this at the end of last meeting I, I was I actually didn't review the minutes so apologies Kevin if you handle this um, there had been a question of of a of a resolution on the AB 43 speed limit for um, for Bridgeway that that may or may not have been Brown Act eligible, and I had asked if it could be if need be be re-agendized for a future meeting. So I just if I could get a conclusion to that, if um, I'd appreciate that. And if if it wasn't, then if we could get that in next next meeting, even though I won't put on it, if if people agree. Thank you, Warren. Um, does anyone else, uh, you know, so uh, Jake, uh, this is a time when if we, we, uh, we, we propose items that, that maybe want to be discussed. And so then this gives uh, the, the public uh, time to hear that this is a topic that, that may be discussed in the future and it gives some time for them to prepare. It's not, uh, and, and, and so it's, uh, it's a good time if there's something, I realize you're, you're just the first day here. So it's understandable if, uh, you're just gonna, um, uh, you know, kind of see how things go for a while, but this is, uh, just part of the process that we're doing. So. No, this is great. Thank you. Yeah. Nothing for now, but I'll, you know, keep thinking. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, okay, cool. And then with that, we usually have a membership thing in the beginning um but and then in, uh, which we didn't have today so that's usually where we say hey we need members uh but in any case before adjournment oftentimes we say some something to reflect on and uh and i just would love to just say hey jake welcome <laughs> and it's, uh it's great to be here it, it would be great if we just got the uh the two minute intro here we didn't really give you the opportunity in the beginning um but just to uh just to let's so we get to know you a little better yeah, absolutely. Apologies for any background noise. My son's watching the, the Warriors game in the background here. Okay, so you're a parent. So yeah, my wife and I live here in Sausalito. We've been here for about six years, and uh, we have a, a four-year-old, two-year-old, and a, another one on the way. Um, we're big e-bikers, uh, so we each have an e-bike and try to do most of our um, you know, transportation on, on an e-bike, going to the grocery store and whatnot. But, um, you know, we have a car and we spend a lot of time walking around town. We love it here. This is probably a place we'll end up spending um, a good portion of our life. So it's excited to be here working with you all, figuring out ways we can um, we can make it safer because we have a, a unique dynamic here um, with lots of pedestrians, both local and coming out of town, lots of bikers and, um, and drivers as well. So um, I work in tech and 
um, construction tech to be specific. Uh, so, you know, thinking about um, using data and, and feedback from, from people uh, that are using the systems at BE to figure out how we can make it better. So excited to, to do that all here with you. Cool. Well, that's it's really awesome, and uh, and they, someone that's already presented uh, to city council. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I near, near and dear to my heart is, is trying to make it. You know, I I would love to to see my kids and, and everyone's kids be able to safely bike to school. Um, yeah, it'd be great. It's really good to hear, and uh, we welcome you uh, sincerely to this group, and we'd love to also uh, introduce you to the Safe Routes to School um uh task force as well which which really focuses especially on that so um yeah so with that in mind i just uh you know thank you everybody for your patience tonight very uh uh important meeting and uh you know special thanks to chief Rohrbacher to for for coming and, and sharing uh the, the the deep um information that that you did tonight um thank you andy for uh for sticking it out and giving that presentation at the end and uh all y'all, thank you. Have a great one. Good night. Bye. Bye.